Hello and thanks for listening to RTE Radio 1's The Rolling Wave podcast. In this episode, fiddle player and folklorist Ronan Galvin talks about his friend and musical inspiration, Donegal fiddle player James Byrne. Highlands played by James Byrne and a very young Dermot Byrne on accordion and Sean Byrne on guitar and those tunes were from uh, James Byrne's solo album The Road to Glen Loch. James Byrne was born in 1946 and he died suddenly and unexpectedly of a heart attack in 2008 when he was just 62. He's regarded as one of the most important Donegal fiddle players of the 20th century, a conduit of sorts between the styles and the music of the older fiddle players and today's generation. Ronan Galvin is also a fiddle player with a strong interest in folklore. He was born and raised in Dublin, but with Donegal-born parents who always retained very strong connections to the county. And indeed, Ronan himself now lives back up in County Donegal. He began learning fiddle from James Byrne as a teenager and from that their friendship developed. And on tonight's programme, he'll be choosing some of James's music and uh, talking about the man himself, as well, of course, as his brilliant fiddle playing. So we're going to start with a, a slow air, which was chosen for us um, by Ronan Galvin. And this is a tune called The Enchanted Island. Enchanted Island, played by James Byrne on fiddle. And that's one of a number of tracks you're going to hear tonight from the collection in the Irish Traditional Music Archive in Merrion Square. Ronan Galvin, you're very welcome to The Rolling Wave. Um, James Byrne, we, we might talk a bit maybe first about his early years. He was born in 1946 in Mean Tell me uh, exactly where Mean is within the geography of County Donegal and then what kind of background did James have? Well, Mina Krisha is about four miles from the village in Glen Column Kill. It's an upland valley of small holdings uh, and subsistence farming is how people survived really up until the mid 20th century when James was born. And he was, James was an only child uh, born to John uh, and Cassie. John was uh, about 50 years of age when James was born and Cassie was slightly younger. So I think people were happily surprised when he came along, really. And, um, yeah, in terms of music in, in Minacrosh, it was said that uh, women brought the music originally to Minacrosh, and two women in particular were important. The first lady was Biddy War McNeilish, who married uh, Condi McGinley, 
and the second lady was James's grandmother, Maya Nigara, uh, who married into the Byrne family. And they were both lilters. Mm. That's going back to the, the 19th century. So the lilting, I suppose, was the foundation of the later fiddle music before people could afford fiddles or had access to fiddles. So Maya, Maya's son was, was John, James's father. He was known as John Avernia locally. And John was a, a dance fiddle player. And John's brother, Francie, uh, James's uncle, they say, was a really good fiddle player. And it is said that Francie and two other men who played the fiddle from the area emigrated on the same day in, 19, in, in the late 1920s. And none of the three ever returned. Um, mm. So just goes to show you, I suppose, the, the level of emigration at the time from the area. Mm. But lilting and music were I suppose they were ingrained in James's house mm. itself. And then when he looked out his front door, he could see almost around 17 houses. And in that 17 houses, there were roughly about 21 people who played the fiddle. And very interesting, some isn't it? And players. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I suppose it was an everyday activity. Um, and there seems to have been space for uh, different types of players. For example, my mother, Maya, recalls a man called Michael Hugh Campbell, who used to come into the house on a regular basis and stand up and play The Soldier's Joy. And it was the only tune that he ever played. <laughs> he never got past that. But for a young child like James, growing up in that environment, that type of it, it, it's it's rich in terms of um, it's it's strongly etched in the memory of a child, I mm -hmm. suppose, and it left a huge impression on, on 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 the kids who grew up in that. And and technology, I suppose, like radio and gramophone, uh, they had arrived in the area, but the musical hero for somebody like James was still your next door neighbour, mm -hmm. and they came into your kitchen regularly and they played. And tell me about his mother, Cassie. She sounds like a very interesting woman as well. Yeah, Cassie it had a huge impression on me, really, when I met her uh, when I was young. Uh, she had a strong belief in the other world and um, she she had a great belief in the, in, the, in the fairy world. And she was always in great form. Uh, she had a sparkle in her eye. And I think she had a huge influence, obviously, on James, you know. So uh, I, she, she, she was quite a special lady to, to, to meet uh, coming up from Dublin at the time. Yeah, and, and I think the environment that John and Cassie had for James was very rich. And there's a track where James describes that environment, where he talks about one of his oldest memories. And um, James's family, his partner Connie and daughters, Ashling, Shauna and Merle, they produced a lovely CD of his music uh, in 2018. And there's, there's a track on it that describes that environment that James grew up in. My father used to play the fiddle most, and uh, I remember when I was very, very small, probably was only about three, maybe at this stage, there was a group of fiddlers in one night having a bit of a session. And I remember, well, uh, I was to play a lot with one of the men that was there later on in life, a man called Paddy Brencheth. He came from Gortavall, a very nice fiddle player. And the same night, 
Paddy Hughley was there as well, a relation, first cousin of my father's. And uh, I think a man called, who was related to us through uh, marriage, he was uh, brother of his, was married to me, and a man called Jimmy Barner, his nickname was Jimmy the Miner. And they were playing away, and I didn't want to go to bed anyway. But in the old house, the old thatched house at that time, there was a kitchen bed. And it was close to the fire. It was mostly used for older people. But uh, so my mother decided that she would put me into this kitchen bed. So, <laughs> so I, I could sleep for whiles and listen for whiles. And the session probably went on for all hours. That would be a, my earliest memory. James Byrne talking there and a kitchen bed doesn't sound like a bad idea <laughs> to me at all. Maybe yeah, we, maybe yeah, we should bring yeah. them back into fashion. <laughs> um, I'm up for that. Yeah. <laughs> so then you'd never, ever have to leave the session. Um, <laughs> and that little extract, uh, as you say, is from a CD of James Byrne's uh, music and a little bit of chat released posthumously in 2018 called Unbernach. Roughly, roughly speaking, so you said there were uh, he could look out the window he saw 17 houses and there were you know 21 fiddle players amongst those houses but roughly speaking how many players would have been in the immediate area do you know yeah well there were a large number of that 21 like some of that 21 um i suppose they they had emigrated or passed on just before james was born but but when james was growing up the, the the primary, I suppose, one of the, the finest players in the area was a man called John Fadi Kruher McGinley. And he had a rich repertoire of tunes. He had two brothers, uh, James and Paddy, who played, and a sister, Maggie, played. Uh, James would have remembered a man called Paddy Ronald Gillespie, who played the fiddle. Uh, the Murdishes across the way, uh, Mickey Wurdish played the Melodian. The Cannon family, James would have remembered also, and they had the post office in Minnacrosh, and two or three of that family played. You had Agnes McGinley, a lady who married into the area, she played. And James was very friendly with a man called Con Hundy McGinley. Con was uh, a grandson of Biddy Ward that I mentioned. The Lilter. And, um, the Lilter as well. And and uh, and Con and his brothers. He had a brother called Paddy Perrell McGinley, who who played as well, and 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 a few of his other uh, siblings played. So so growing up in the nineteen fifties, there were still quite a, a considerable number of players just in in James's townland of of Minnacrosh. And mm. I suppose one player that he was friendly with was my grandfather as well, uh, who was his second cousin and another grandson of uh, Biddy War, uh, that's P Paddy Hudy Byrne. Yeah, Paddy Hudy and James were quite close. And uh, Paddy Hudy was born in 1896, so he would have remembered Biddy War. Uh, he was also a close neighbour to Maya, James's grandmother, um, and his uncle, Cundy Bug McGinley, um, and John Fuddy Kruger. They would have been, been a bit older than Paddy, and and he would have uh, been influenced by them as well. Mm. So, um, and and you actually have a, a track. I mean, it's, it's it's kind of amazing that you have this, but you have a musical extract or a tune here from 1958 with your grandfather and James, who was only 12 at the time. Uh, tell me about this recording, and, and do you know anything about its origins? 
Yeah, it was recording from 1958. Uh, James and my grandfather would have played frequently, both locally and uh, Father McDyer at the time organised these big nights in Hollowara, especially on August the 15th, where he gathered local fiddle players from Glencolum Kill, Kilcar, Ardra, um, where James came into contact with a wider uh, field of players, if you like. But um, yeah, we're very lucky to have this this recording. Um, James and my grandfather recorded a number of tracks. I, I don't recall exactly where the recording took place, but they recorded about six or seven tracks. And, and the one that that we picked here is, is called King William's Rambles Through Hell. Um, that was titled by my, my grandfather. Uh, it's, it's a version of a jig more commonly known as the Mug of Brown Ale. And um, I think it's it's interesting because it has what I consider as like very local traits in terms of the style of playing. It has a strong pulse there and also a very different uh, second part that you only hear in, um, you don't hear outside of Glen Cullum Kill. tune there called King William's Rambles Through Hell, played by James Byrne and uh, Ronan Galvin's grandfather, recorded in 1958. Um, Ronan, the, the picture you paint is so vibrant in terms of the amount of music and musicians in southwest Donegal in the late 19th century and, and right up to the, to the to the 50s or maybe even a little bit later. But I read an interview with James Byrne where he was describing that in 1980 he and others were going up to the local hall playing cards because nobody was playing any music, that the instruments had been put away. H- how did it go from so the picture that you were describing to this other extreme? Yeah, well, if if you look at the tradition in the area in the 19th century if you had to pick a player that made a huge impression you'd have to look at John Wosey McGinley. Um, John Wosey was by all accounts a brilliant fiddle player and a composer whose music is still played. The tunes that he composed are still played in the tradition. A hundred years later you've got James Bourne who left an incredible legacy that we're you know that we're so lucky to have but in between those two two men you had an incredible uh, blossoming of, of of players i suppose and it's been documented that there were in around 170 people who played the music played music in in the parish of Glencolum kill mm. in the early 19th century and up, up until maybe the 1940s 50s and james would have remembered a lot of a large number of those players when he was young and he would have travelled throughout the, the parish, like he had an aunt married in Glenmallon, and he would have learnt music and picked up music from well-known players like Francie Jarrigo Byrne, uh, Frank Cassidy, um, and, and more. But, of course, he came into contact with John Doherty later on. But then he also had important 
uh, influences too, like Mick Carr from Minnaneri, Paddy O'Gara from Minnawachran. And he was very friendly with Con Cassidy and a great uh, playing partnership with Con. But then again, he also had contact with lesser known players again. Like, so he, he, he played, uh, he came into, he learned Lucy O'Gara's Highland from Lucy, Fonsi Boyle's Highland, Johnny Boyle's Jig, and Paddy the Cooper's Highland. He was such an important conduit for the for the tradition so it's incomprehensible to think what it would be like if 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 he hadn't have been that important link he he kept so many tunes alive mm. um f f for the younger generation but i suppose in some ways he was like uh Oshina after the fina <laughs> in that by the time he was in his 30s nearly all those old players had died off and as you say by 1980 um, they they more or less had disappeared, but but James had this huge body of tradition that he received with, I suppose, great generosity, but he passed it on with the great humility. And I think it, it is said that he, at some stage in the early nineteen eighties he was close to even thinking of giving up the fiddle, mm -hmm. but uh, younger players at that time like Marid Nuini and and Dermot McLaughlin and others started coming along and showing a great interest and they had uh, the youth and interest to collect and um, many of James's tunes, the foundation of, uh, of of early recordings by Alton and other groups, but uh, Alton recorded tunes from James, Con Cassidy, Con McGinley as well, you know. His generation, do you think, didn't play though? Like, how come he was so uh, alone in this? Do you think? Yeah, I think traditional music was associated with the older generation. So, in James's generation, there was a definite move away from traditional music, if you like. Um, I suppose there were new sounds coming in, new influences, new technology was starting to appear, and large dance halls and it kind of fell off a cliff and James was one of the few that I suppose against the tide he he kept it he kept it going and they, they were more drawn to I suppose the show bands and mm. and uh, I suppose emigration had something to do with it but that that environment that I mentioned where your musical hero was your next door neighbour that was vital uh, for the survival of a, of a strong tradition like like happened in the early 20th uh, century but when your musical hero was from another country or from another part of Ireland it it, it drew people away mm. from from the tradition I think and but James was James James was was one of the few who who kept it going and I suppose he realized too that uh, he he realized with great modesty that he was a, a really really good player mm. And um, he carried that with a great sense of uh, humility, as I say, mm -hmm. and, a, and a sense of fun as well. And, and like that tune, for example, Paddy the Cooper's, 
um, just thinking about how important it was. Like, I mean, that's that's be, that was recorded by Danny Meehan, James's great friend and, and brilliant fiddle player and Donegal native uh, as well, and, and recorded more recently on a, a fine solo CD by Danny Diamond. But Paddy the, Paddy the Cooper or Paddy Breslin arrived home in 1963 from New Zealand for one year. He'd emigrated in the 1920s. And in that year, he, um, he passed on some music that he had taken away with him and had been lost to the area. And James was there just to absorb hmm. whatever tunes Paddy played and then, and then pass them on. So again, without James, where would we be, really? Mm. You, you said something to me uh, recently which really stuck in my head is, uh, is that sometimes James would play a tune for you or for your contemporaries and you realise he was on, the only person in the world who knew that tune. That's, that's quite a startling thing to realise, isn't it, that so much hinges on, on just one person. And Definitely. I, I, I recall that going back to, say, the late 1980s and early 90s. Um, could be sitting in a room with uh, perhaps Mick Brown, great fiddle player from Dublin, who's resident in Donegal for a long time, would have been there. Uh, Peter Cunningham, uh, myself, and uh, John Byrne from Glen, and later on Derek McGinley, Noel O'Gara. These players who would have um, picked up tunes informally from James. But at times I do remember... Um, sitting in a room with them and, and it was became clear that nobody else in the world played uh, these tunes. And there were quite a few of them mm. that played these tunes, you know. Mm. And yeah, he was he well, he was a vital link. Um, and yeah. It, it, it's, hard, it's hard, I think, for people now to understand why Donegal fiddle playing or fiddle music wasn't more popular for so many years because now everyone wants to learn uh, reels and highlands and there are so many well-known, brilliant Donegal musicians. But it it did go through a rather dark period, didn't it? It certainly did. And uh, and, and that's what you mentioned earlier about um, James being the only player. That was part of it too. And and Danny Meehan would, have, would, would talk about the dark period in Irish music. And... Uh, as, like it was associated with with hard times, and 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 you can see similar uh, a similar situation with the Irish language as well. But I recall um, even myself when I started playing in the late nineteen eighties, it it wasn't something to to beat your brow over, you know, and like the whole. Way through secondary school, I I never once took the fiddle to school, or or it's not something that was any way fashionable at the time. Mm. I think it was only in the nineteen nineties that things changed, and and it became almost cool to to send your kids for lessons. But but Donegal fiddle music in particular, as well, at times it was written off as poor Scottish music, mm. and I do remember learning some Highlands from James and then coming back and playing them locally in Dublin and one or two people would... I, well, I couldn't actually repeat what they said to me, but uh, it certainly wasn't encouraging. But but it was very much, don't be playing that old stuff from, from up there, you know. Mm. So, but what James was... So what James did was he instilled a great sense of pride in music from that region and it resonated with us, you know, and... But what came through with James as well was, was the generosity was, with which he passed it on. Mm. And uh, I was talking to John, John Byrne recently about that, that James, in a session situation, James would 
would play the tunes that we knew as when we were quite young. We might have had 10 or 15 tunes. And if they were all played, he'd ask, you know, do you know any more tunes? And you'd say no. And he would start again. And we'd start them again and we'd play the same 10 tunes again. So uh, that sense of generosity made a huge impression on us, mm. particularly as well because we knew what he was capable of. Mm. And at the end of the night, James would play one or two solos and it would just make the hair stand on the back of your neck and uh, I suppose throw us into another world completely. And on one level, we knew he was capable of this special, incredibly special music, but 99% of the time he was just generously trying to encourage you to play. So. Let's let's listen to him play another tune and then we'll talk about this afterwards. So this is The Pigeon on the Gate. Version of the pigeon on the gate, you know, it was uh, yeah, good one. from the McConnells. This is yeah, yeah. completely different now to the usual version, you know. This comes from the McConnells, who were uncles of John Doherty's, you know. And mm. There was a man who lived uh, next door, he was McGinley, and he learned it from them, you know. And Anthony Byrne, a cousin of mine, learned it from him, you know. So I got it. It's an unusual version of the, you know, the pigeon on the gate. Pigeon on the Gate or a version of The Pigeon on the Gate played by James Byrne there. Ronan Galvin, that that tune, that came from the travelling fiddle players, uh, the McConnells, who are a generation back from the Doherty's, Johnny and Mickey Doherty. Tell me a little bit about them and about that tune. Yeah, the McConnells were uncles of John and Mickey Doherty and, and the Doherty family. They were travelling tinsmiths like the Doherty's. Um, you two brothers in particular, Alec and Mickey McConnell, who their origins could have been in Tyrone or Fermanagh. It's, they're associated with both counties. It's, we're not sure exactly um, of that. But their father was Patrick McConnell. But um, Alec in particular, they say, was a, was a really, really great fiddle player. And he had a huge influence on the tradition in southwest Donegal in terms of style and repertoire. But there was a, an occasion in 1912 when they came and spent two weeks in Minacrosh. And I think it's safe to say now after a century that, <laughs> that uh, uh, Putchin was, was part of, of, of the scene at the time. And um, <laughs> apart from uh, fixing kitchen utensils and all that, they, um, they made Putchin stills and repaired them. And, 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 but... but uh, at night, they they played music, and one of the tunes that filtered down from that 
two-week period was, was the pigeon on the gate. And as tinsmiths, they made their own fiddles. And there's fiddles that the McConnells made would have been resting in byres and, and attics for decades until they rusted away. So there was a there was a local man, Jimmy Carr, who told me that one night they played in, in, in a house in Glen, in Stabui, and uh, they were playing wooden fiddles and uh, a fight broke out and the two fiddles didn't survive uh, the fight. <laughs> but the, the brothers had to play the next night and they simply made two tin fiddles and were ready to play the next night on two tin fiddles, so they could knock them up in a day. In a day, wow. wow. Amazing. Um, Ronan, anyone listening to you now, I think, can get a real sense of how highly you regard James Byrne and his music. But as I said in the introduction, you grew up in Dublin, so how did your friendship with James come about? Uh, well, I started playing at 12 years of age. Uh, it was 1988. My parents encouraged me from the start and and then my uncle was visiting every two weeks roughly um he lived in he was from in but he lived in in county kildare and my uncle anthony he he was he was a good fiddle player a very good fiddle player and and so i'd been listening to music from a very young age in the house i was lucky enough and then anthony would have after I started playing would have teaching me tunes and but then we had been visiting Donegal anyway, um, and quickly enough, my mum brought me up to, to visit James and Cassie. And uh, so I was lucky enough to be able to, to visit him in, 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 in the home environment. And, um, and that's how I really got into Donegal fiddle music. I realised, though I lived in Dublin, that, that there, there was this huge fiddle tradition in, 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 in the part of Ireland that my people came from. Mm. And um, James really stood out for us, for myself and Mick and, and other players at the time. And meeting James and Cassie, I suppose, was was a very special experience. And uh, and then so we, we picked tunes up from informally. And then through Cardus Navigillary, through the Fiddle Week, which had started in Glen in 1986, we, we attended classes and sessions and just spent as much time with him as possible. That's really it. And what are your memories of him as a person? I mean, what was he like as a person? What kind of character I was, was just he? In, yeah, he was just incredibly warm. Like, he was just really, really uh, generous and had a, a great sparkle in his eye um he had great anecdotes about the music he, he music was a part music was part of james but james was also a great man for history and folklore and and language and 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 everything else so we realized that although he was just a a, a brilliant musician he there were many other sides to him like i suppose first and foremost he was he was a great family man to Connie and and uh, Merla and uh, Ashling and Shawnee, who who turned into great fiddle players themselves, so um, he he was just a, a very likable and warm and knowledgeable character in a very, in the most natural way, and uh, he he drew people to him uh, in a natural sense, both people from locally in Donegal, but people travelled from around the country and they even travelled across the world to, to spend time in his company. 
So um, we, we, it's really special. We actually have a tune here um, of the two of you playing together. And this is from, I think, a, a few tunes you played in his house in 1991. Sure, you were only a child then, Ronan. <laughs> tell, tell me. I, I, I should have been. <laughs> tell, I, should have, I should have been, yeah. Th- tell me about this recording, 1991. Th- this was just per, per chance that this was recorded, wasn't it, in the house? It was. It was just um, I'd been up for the weekend, uh, it's East Easter 1991, and um, uh, we'd been playing a lot over the weekend. And uh, it was Easter Monday. It was actually I realised yesterday that it was April Fool's Day 1991 <laughs> as well. So um, a, a good friend P- Peter Cunningham from Killybegs uh, picked picked me up in Stranakirka where I was staying with my aunt and we went in with with another local girl, Janet McNairn was with us as well actually. And um we went into James's house and Peter had an old reel to reel recorder with him that belonged to his father. And he just we'd go in and, and, and record a few tunes. And I dunno, uh I suppose I can be written off as 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 the the foolery of of, of youth, but I, I joined James for a few tunes. I should have let him off on his own, but it, I think Peter recorded uh, the Heather Breeze, and um, so it's great. It's nice to have it like. Heather Breeze played by Ronan Galvin and James Byrne and that was recorded in 1991. Ronan, as a fiddle player, um, what for you makes James Byrne's music unique? Yeah, I suppose it's strength and surety of bow hand, combination of notes in the up bow that was quite rare too. And and the producing a strong full tone. So he 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 was he's a very very strong player as you can hear, uh, but he was also full of devilment, <laughs> and and like when on fire, his left hand came alive with rolls, and flicks uh, that kind of it kind of contradicted, the common narrative that you would have heard or read about Donegal, playing like we would if you, if you would have heard Donegal playing is about one note per bow, uh, sparse ornamentation and all that, but when. When James came alive, uh, especially during some of those solos, it just uh, brought the music to life for us. So, so yeah, I think it, it was particularly strong player, um, and his influences were from probably all those older players, from people like John Doherty. Uh, I think you can hear some of John Doherty in his music, but also very much his own style, you know, and his own strength in music you know so so that's that's what comes through mm. it's interesting isn't it, when people say Donegal fiddle music because that's kind of more of an umbrella term isn't it than a definition it's something that covers lots of local musical accents and um and James and the music of uh, Glan Columkilla being just one of those like the local yeah. was very important in his music wasn't it 
Oh, for sure, for sure, yeah. It, he was lucky enough to have that local connection. But he, he also, although he was very much a local player, he strongly appreciated music from other parts of Ireland. Like, he, well, other parts of Donegal, firstly, he was, he was great friends with Danny Meehan, who I mentioned, with Tommy Peoples. But also, on some rare trips down the country, he would have come into contact with players like, Tony Lennan, and he was friendly with Connie O'Connell uh, down in Sleeve Lucre, who I know was a good friend of James. Uh, J- James had, had had a very open mind with regard to the music, and, and he loved coming into contact with with players. Another Donegal player that he, he spent time with was Danny O'Donnell. Yeah, he, 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 he had a very open mind about it, even though he was a, a very much, a, he, he maintained a very local accent in his playing. But with 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 uh, he enjoyed Sean Maguire, for instance. <laughs> I recall seeing James and Sean Maguire playing in a pub session in around nineteen eighty eight or nine, in in Biddy's and Glencullum Kill, and James and James joined uh, Sean Maguire for Miss McLeod's reel. But Sean did something to to throw James off in the middle of the tune. And James just always enjoyed those kind of incidents. James stopped playing and just burst out laughing and, and listened to Sean. You know, he 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 was he uh, he was very open to to other players, really. You know, mm. um, James Byrne died very suddenly, as I said, and unexpectedly um, in two thousand and eight. Um, he was only sixty two at the time, so he was you know far far too young. But looking back now from from today, what do you see as his his legacy, Ronan? Yeah, well, as I said, first and foremost, um, his his daughters, who are great fiddle players, and in particular Ashling, who and went and studied music in Limerick, and is just a brilliant fiddle player. And I suppose the environment in which James grew up that I described there, it just doesn't exist anymore. So the chances of coming into contact with somebody like James is next to none. But I suppose his legacy, the, when when you come across a musician of James's caliber, there, there's an intangible aspect to the music, uh, something that you can't really touch, but it lives on in the, the hearts, minds and fingers of, of, of those players who come into contact with him. And um, there's just many, many players nationally and, and from all around the world who have been touched by James's music. And um, and it, 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 it will live on for a long time. OK, well, we've one more tune here now. And again, this is from the collection in the Irish Traditional Music Archive. This is James Byrne playing The Morning Dew. And Ronan Galvin, thank you very, very much for being with us tonight on The Rolling Wave to talk about James Byrne. And so here he is now with The Morning Dew.
And thanks for listening to RT Radio 1's The Rolling Wave podcast. For rights reasons, the music here is shorter than in the original broadcast. So if you'd like to hear the full versions of the tunes, just go to rte.ie forward slash radio 1 forward slash The Rolling Wave. And this interview was first broadcast on the 13th of June 2021. Until the next time, Guramila Mahagi, Agaslam. Thank you.